Thank you. Good afternoon and thanks for the invitation. Thank you for trusting me into your home <laughs> or receiving me in your home. And uh, this afternoon we're looking at a story or an incident involving four persons. First we have the two sensitive apostles. And then we have a very uh, grief-stricken or very handicapped, defective, crippled. And thirdly, we have the suffering servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. In this area of ministry, this opportunity of ministry. And uh, we, almost many of us are familiar with this story. It was one of the story in the early days of the church. An amazing story. But what I like about this story is the opportunities that God often brings to us to present Christ and present the gospel. And so often we retreat because we look at our own weakness, our own inability to meet the challenge. And here we have two men who were unable <laughs> to meet the challenge. But they resorted to what they had. And we Christians can only meet the challenge today with what we have. We receive Jesus Christ, we have Christ. If we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we have life. For Christ, who is our life, when he appears, we shall also appear with him. We have his life. We have his life through the abundance of outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so no Christian is really like this man, a crippled, handicapped. Every Christian has something that he can offer to the world. He can challenge the world with. He can offer solution to the world or before any sinner. No matter how deep is that person in sin or how far gone he is in sin or how hard is his heart, we can, should not retreat. The Apostle Peter and the Apostle John were going up to the hour of prayer. And there at the outside of the temple gate was a, a man who apparently his family was quite wise. They put him down at the temple gate at the time of prayer. Because they know going to prayer is very godly people, devoted people. And often they will be the people who are more willing to give to someone in need. And so here as they were going to pray, they they saw this man outside. In fact, he got their attention. Because he was just outside of the temple gate and he was begging. And they saw him there in a broken state, a defective, a birth defective state. He couldn't walk. And we found out later that he was over 40 years old and he never walked in his life. And so here the apostle, going to prayer and came up with this difficulty, this challenge, this Human tragedy. And the Apostle Paul and, uh, and John did not uh, shower from, uh, shout from the man. They did not stay away. They did not uh, take a different pathway up the stairs to the temple. They reached out to him. Knowing they do not have what he needs. But that did not prevent them. To reach out to this man. For Peter says I don't have what you need. But what I have, I'll give you. And praise the Lord. That's what the man need. The man didn't know who his real need. God knew this man real need. And God sent the apostle Peter to, to meet with this man. 
And so the apostle Peter, as an apostle, he was gifted like those apostles with some of the distinctiveness, their ability to preach and their ability to heal and the ability to do signs and wonders. And the apostle Peter had that. And he said, I'm going to give it to you. Because Peter realized when he looked at this man, this is what this man need. He need Jesus. He need the gospel. He need the power of the Holy Spirit. This man is under a power that is not matched by human efforts. Human efforts and human, uh, uh, human beings cannot help this man in the condition he was in. For what Peter saw, Peter saw a man outside of the temple gate when he should be inside of the temple. He should be with the people of God. But he was outside as estranged, distance, as his whole race and nation was. All of Israel was distanced from God. But Peter realized that distance died when Christ died on the cross. And this man should not have been on the outside of the temple. He should have been with the family of God. He was a chosen race, but he was not in the family of God. Because you could only enter the family through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And praise the Lord, the Bible says, as many as receive him, to them gave he the power, the authority, the right to walk into God's house, to be a member of God's house, and to claim membership there. First John verse 12, 1 verse 12. And that's what Peter see. Here, here is a member of the chosen race, but he's not in his family. He's not in the family that Peter is in. And Peter saw him out there and Peter said, you should be inside there in the name of Jesus. I'm going to get you in there. Secondly, G Peter saw a man outside, a, a seed of Abraham, a seed of David, a seed of Isaac and, and Jacob begging alms outside of God's house. When he should be inside of God's house, not begging, but bragging. Bragging in his riches. Bragging in the, in the things that God has done for him. That's where he should be. Not outside begging. Now, how are you going to help a man who, who's begging? You don't have what to get his need. Peter said, hey, you need to get inside and start boasting what God has done for you. And thirdly, Peter look at this man and he see a definitely a broken man. No doubt 40 years in this state where he can't earn his own living. Uh, there's a lot of low self-esteem, a lot of uh, uh, putting down of himself and lots of helplessness and hopelessness around this man. Lots of envy and jealousy as you would see people running up those temple steps. You would see men a little older than him uh, stepping up those steps so manly. And here he is just 40 years and he can't, he can't even make a step. Peter saw this man's life that people thought was just a problem. Peter saw his life as a drug, a broken man, a helpless man, a hopeless man. And that's how we need as Christian witness to see our fellow men. You know, we as a church, we see sometimes we, we get turned off by people outward looks or their status or their identification in society. No, regardless of who they are, God expects us to see how God see them. God saw this man a broken man. God saw this man a beggar who should have been a boast in his God. 
God saw this man outside of the family family uh, blessings. He was, uh, he was void of any of the privileges and the promises that God has given to his people. And God let Peter know, don't back away. You have the answer for this man. You have the answer for every sinner. Because my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made provision for every sinner. And so the apostle Peter stood up there. And he says, I'm going to give you what I got. Brothers and sisters, we need to check ourselves and see what we got. I know every Christian is supposed to have Jesus. I know every Christian is supposed to have a testimony. I know every Christian should be able to tell men that he once he was blind, but now we can see. Once he was a drag, now he's a, he's a sprinter, he's a runner, he's a walker, he's a mounter, he's a soarer. He has a, a testimony. And that's what the world out there need more than anything. They need to hear about the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter received the blessing of conversion based on the finished work and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have that. And that's what the world needs. Let's give it to them. That the, our church today needs, and we as Christians, we need to realize this is not a, 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 an elective uh, uh, opportunity and engagement. This is not an elective course we have. Evangelism, witnessing about Jesus Christ is a required course, not an elective course. That's why we come to realize that every pastor today, evangelism has to be one of his required course, one of his required job, one of his main job. If you understand the times, how are you going to grow any fellowship if you're not winning and fishing? How you grow if you're not bringing the unsaved out of darkness into his marvelous light? How are we going to build this church? What church are we building? Rather than discipling a hundred Christians every time, every year, 10 years, 20 years, and we are not winning and fishing? No. We Christians have a, a required course. Every Christian has a required course. Tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this is young lady, Miss Sherry. She was with me witnessing out there in the, the streets. And we went into a very difficult area because she wanted to learn more how to witness. She got saved two years ago as a college student just from China. And she now sees herself as an evangelist. And I'm trying to encourage her, just be a witness. Let God do evangelism. I took her into the situation, and there we met a person. Very difficult situation. And she witnessed it. And uh, she said, Brother Wally, you better let us go ahead. As I realized as a young lady, she must feel embarrassed. also feel uh, we, uh, uh, kind of inadequate for this situation. But I said, Miss Sherry, you pray for me and we will go and see what is this and let's see what we can do. We went up and there was this 14-year-old young man lighting up uh, some drugs and what have you. And he saw me and tried to give me a smile and I realized he couldn't even smile. So I told him, I said, uh, stop what you're doing. You're playing with death. You're playing with hell. He asked me, who am I? I said, that's not a problem. I'm just come to tell you about the Lord Jesus. Do you know him as your savior? 
He said, no, but I know a lot about him. Because your Bible school friend, workers used to have me in their Bible club. Because he knew who I was associated with. So he knew me for some time. And um, so I said, would you like to have Jesus in your life and let him deliver you from this, what you're in? And he says, yes, but my parents can't help me. Nobody can help me. I said, yeah, but Jesus, because you're in deeper trouble than drugs, just drugs. You in trouble with hell. Because if an overdose take you down or a bullet take you down, where are you going? Tell me you don't know. I hope not hell. I said, well, you can make sure it's not hell. Make sure it's heaven. Because today you need to repent before God. Get down on your knees on this pavement. And let me lead you to the Lord Jesus Christ. And three of his other friends were coming across to John. And then this young man kneeled down. And they, they, what's going on, bro? What's going on? Why are you listening to that old man? And I saw him just tell him, move out, move out, move out. And then Miss Sherry and myself came and we prayed for him. And then I allowed her to go over the gospel presentation with him. And second time he kneeled on the pavement and received the Lord Jesus Christ. That was... Um, Six months ago, thank God we were in that project recently and young man came out with us, took us to his grandmother's home because he, he told her who the people had led into the Lord. Miss Sherry was with us last week. But it was good to see this young man going to a nearby Bible church. And he encouraged his grandmother to open up her home to a little Bible study in the project there. Oh, the work of God. Here I, I, I myself was a little put off by that situation. But here was a young believer. Just in her 20s. Scared to death. Because she is accustomed to this. Even though she comes from communist China. Etc. You can't imagine a 14 year old just in public there. Everybody passing us. And lighting himself. And what have you. And when you go up to him. He's trying. Because he knows me. Or at least I think he knew me. And I found out later on. He knew me with the Bible club workers. He was trying to give me a smile. But no smile. I could see his face. The contour is fighting. To break out into a smile. And I realize he's. Now this is not the first one he's lit up. He's been lighting, lighting up all day. And so I have to get. I said, Lord, move with your power through me to help this young man. It could have been me. The grace of God. We didn't back out. A, a guy about 30 years old across the road saw what happened. He came up to me and he says, Mister, pray for me. Pray for me. I don't know if he trusts the Lord, but I prayed for him. I prayed that he will come to know Jesus. But he saw, he know those young men. Apparently, sometimes I wouldn't be a, 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 a question whether he maybe had let some of them. That's the problem in the project. All our young people have certain uh, younger, older young men over them. You go on the most of our projects in the afternoon. You'll always find a dozen or two young men, young men and sometimes young women, Listening to a black Muslim guy, listening to some uh, cult uh, guy, listening to some, you know, BLM guy. Something that is not godly, but is devilish. 
in many ways. Because what they're teaching them is not righteousness. It's not even human dignity. And then you find out that they use that as a bait to get them on their side. And then they began to put them in the drug business. They start to bleed them and use them. I don't know, but we've had so many situations like that where, humanly speaking, we should run. Saw a group of about 17 young men around quietly as though they were having a prayer meeting. And I creeped up quietly and I waited there and I had my head bowed to. Then I heard some voice tell them, hey, moment of silence is over. Back to business. So I began to witness to them and said, what we, and they said, yeah, that's our goal. One of our good friends got killed in the project. We heard about it, etc." So I began to witness the two of them if they were ready for death or if they know where their young friend has gone to. And then this black Muslim guy came over to me and said, hey, bro, I know you get out of here, man. You don't belong here. We don't want you here. So I said, yeah, I'm going to go. But remember, he died for you. He don't want you to die for him. He want you to live for him. And two weeks after that, for two weeks after that, he would always confront me and tell me, no, I'm not receiving, you shouldn't be in here. The third week we went there, I was giving tracts to some young man. And uh, he came up to me and he says, I told you not to come here. I said, brother, God want me here. And I challenge you, you're not going to see me stop coming here. And all the young friends clap. <laughs> you know, and I didn't want him to feel embarrassed. That's not my purpose. But he was embarrassed. And the, the guys who were around him, his, his, his cronies, his young little uh, heroes, they laughed. Some of them clapped. And then a few others started to take my track. And eventually he came and he took a track for me. I said, man, I love you, man. I forgive you. Don't worry what you told me in the past. I forgive you for Jesus' sake. But if you could receive him in your life, you would experience that change in your life, man. Why don't you receive him? I said, Islam going to take you to heaven? <laughs> no. You going to take yourself to heaven? Do you know of any holy man to take a person to heaven? Is a heaven is a place for sinners unless they're born again, unless they're uh, standing in Christ's righteousness? And I was, that's how witnessing with all those young men listening across there. And the whole crowd got quiet. About 16 young men and two young women. In fact, the young, young women, we found out later on, they brought in a set of things to, to puff. She was, they were the carriers. But God gave us an opening that day. We, and we weren't ready for it, myself and my friends. But thank God I stuck with this leader. Because God said, continue to show him the love of Christ. Let, remind him that the things he was telling you about, the negative things, the, the instructions, the harsh things. You forgive him because Christ lives in me. But he needs to experience the forgiveness of Christ and the, the new birth of Christ for himself. Yeah, we know we're not to back down. We're not to back down. There's some of us we've gone out there and people have drawn guns on us. But what we've got, we're going to draw on you. 
You know, we have the name of Jesus. We have the finished work of the cross. We have a risen Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the gospel. The mere sharing of the gospel by itself is the power of God. God energizes his word. His word is his, is his power. His word is his, his, his critique that critiques the human soul. That convicts the human soul. That, that probes the heart. That condemns the, 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 the human spirit that is proud and selfish. And reveal to them the awful judgment that, that awaits them. The gospel reveals the wrath of God. The judgment of God. The gospel reveals the, not only the condition that a person is in, but the gospel unashamedly presents the solution to that person's condition and problem. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will beat the judgment. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be beat the rap. Yes, we, know, we don't back down. May God continue to help us. So many of our churches are backing down. How many people are telling me how COVID has made people hard? No! Every crisis makes some sinners more soft. Makes some sinners more questioning their own condition. More questioners are oh, looking where is the answer. More crisis God uses sometimes to drive his fear in the hearts of men. But if we don't go out and reach them with the gospel of Christ, how would even the elect get saved? And so this, this demonic strategy that the devil has been imparting to some churches of lockdown and retreat and distancing themselves, no, the situation, the time has called for us to be more involved, to be gone home, to, to be involved in everyday evangelism. Look at our situation, the Delaware County. The Delaware County, uh, you look upon it, is the ends of the earth is here. The Delaware County, since I've been here, I've seen a generation of the day of Pentecost. Not a one day. We know the day of Pentecost was one day. But the Pentecostal situation and condition has, well, taken, has been taken on a route for the whole generation here in Delaware County. Where God brought not Jews, but people from every nation into this place. Almost every nation. This land of America is, is the center of the universe. All people of every tribe and culture and, and class are here. That's why this, is, this America is greater than its planet. And we don't realize the opportunities we have. We in Delaware County should not be doing evangelism once in a while. We should be uh, to get onto that required course of everyday evangelism. Right in our community, right in our streets, right in our workplace, right in our schools. It's there, brethren and sisters. And let us realize this is not a situation we're backing away from. There are many churches saying, wow. All the internationals are coming. We know plenty of them coming illegal. 
We know some of the, many of them are coming millions because it's a government, this wicked government plan to keep in power using the anti-Americans to keep in power in America. What wickedness. But we know it's diabolic. But we're not to back away. We, this is a situation that calls for us to get busier, more focused, get the message out, confront them, encounter them, reach out to them. Yes, there's some who are Christ haters, but God has always been preparing people. And we find that God been preparing some people from other nations. And they came to America and they hear about Jesus Christ. And wow, this is what we've been looking for. A Yemeni man couldn't find his right bus. And I don't know much about these bus because years I don't use bus. I use the subway. So I asked him, what bus number you need? Then I said, where you live? He told me where he live. I said, oh, you, you're new here, right? Like me. He said, yeah, I only come this year, a few months ago, with my two, two three children and my wife. I said, you know what? He said, no, man. I said, brother, I understand your situation. Wait here. We're going to ask some people. You know, and any bus that come, we'll ask the driver. So come his bus didn't come. Two drivers came. We asked, no. So that time I get to share with him the gospel. You know what I found out? I thought this man would have been a little objective. and I mean, objection, Neville. You know, trying to reject me. He said, Mr. It's about Jesus you're going to tell me? I said, yes. Oh, Allah. <laughs> well, I didn't laugh, but I realized. Uh, he said, oh, Allah. So I said, no, I'm talking to you about the Lord Jesus, Isa. He said, you know why? Three years ago, four years now, I even got away from Yemen. Three years ago, an African man met me in North Africa. He didn't call the country. And I was on this road. He came up to me and, and he told me, why don't you pray that God leads you to the right place that you should go to? He didn't tell the man about America. And the man said, are you American? And the African man says, yes, I'm American. I work with a Peace Corps. The man said, I would like to go to America. I have three kids and a wife. Three years now I'm running, two years now I'm running from, from Yemen. All down Yemen, here he is in North Africa. And he said, the African man, tell him, pray to Jesus and go to the embassy. Let God give you a wish. That's what he told me. Got to the embassy and bam, 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 he got his passport. He went to the mosque and give, God, give thanks to Allah. But deep down in his heart, he told me, I wanted to know this Esau like that African man. Doesn't know the man's name. But you see what? Here is an example. Here is a problem a man brought up to a gentleman. And that man, because he knows Christ, he says, you don't give up. Pray to Jesus. And go. And because of that incident, God had put a desire in this man to know about Esau. 
He's six months in America. Nobody approached him. I'm trying to help him to get his right bus. And he opened up his heart to me. And so I was compelled to share the gospel with him. Hassan, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Call our brother, my assistant. And he came over and prayed with him. And we went over the gospel with him again. His boss came. Let him go. <laughs> you know, God working on the man's heart. The man has come to find it, get to know and find the Esau. He's been praying for for a year to know. God was preparing this man. God sent a witness early to plant the seed. Plant that name, Jesus, in his heart. Oh, what a, what a desire to know Jesus, to know this Jesus. We led him to the Lord. The following week, he called me and said, please come tell my wife about this Jesus. And she was like a ripe fruit too. Because she has evidence that God was preparing them to come here to know about this Jesus. To know about this Jesus. We don't back down. Don't back down. The Iman of the mosque, one night he passed. And I didn't realize he was the Iman of the mosque in Upper Derby. And I offer him the gospel of John in Arabic. And he turned to me and he says, no, no. So I ran, walked with him for about half a block. And I said, sir, you know I've been giving, and we've been giving a lot of your members this book. And some of them been asking us questions. And he tell me, yes, he knows that very well. But I said, have they asked you any question? He said, no, because they know I don't know the book. <laughs> so I said to him, but I think as a teacher, it would be good for you to read it for yourself so you could answer them and let them know whether it's true or false. He took it. He asked me, I signed my name inside, etc. And since that day, anytime the Iman sees Dennis Case or Rick Anderson or myself in the street. If I'm not there, he'll go up to them just to make sure. Hi, etc. Uh, two months ago, we had an incident when three rebels of the mosque, I found out they were rebels of his mosque because the mosque is pre predominantly Saudis, jumped me in the street. Normally, I meet with them, we'll chat, we'll go off different ways, very peaceful. In fact, one of them one of our Christian brothers have helped a lot, physically and financially. I used to tell him, don't do that. Uh, we are not here to help finance. We are here to help with the soul saved. You know? Anyhow, that's my brother's desire and heart, and nobody should stop him. And, but these three guys jumped me a night. It was a night where an African lady came to me and said, Mr. Wally. I didn't know her well, but she knew me. I have a problem with demons in my apartment. I don't know what to do. So I took her aside on the pavement there and myself, Dennis, friend Dennis was with me and we began to open Mark's gospel. And I told her what to do. You have to read God's word and pray. She says, she been, I said, no, you need how to read God's word. Let God's word strengthen you. Know how to deal with this situation. Mark's gospel is one good one. Because my gospel is full of stories 
of Jesus dealing with the devil, Jesus dealing with problems, Jesus going bam, 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 dealing with problems and, and, and fixing these problems. And so she said, well, could you give me a little guidance? So in the little light we had there, I opened Mark and read the story, chapter one, one or two stories there, etc. And she and I said, well, you pray along with these stories in your situation there. If you're praying for some demon to come out of the place, see what the Lord Jesus said, how he drove out the demon. And in the name of Jesus, you could do it too. But first, you need to get your heart right with God. That's why we need to read God's word regularly and pray while you read. And the lady was saying, brother, thank you very much. As up comes these three men and jump on the lady and said to her, you don't listen to this false teacher. And she turned to them and says, where are you three devils come from? Well, I tried to make peace, but the lady was right. I was wrong. I shouldn't be making sure she was right. God was using her to write the way of practicing how to drive out devils. <laughs> you know? And I said to them, just a minute. Why you come so hasty and angry? And then she moved on wisely. And they went on and me attacking as they don't I don't know I don't know them and there's no heard about me that I'm this false person, etc. But I realized it was a satanic attack. And so right away, God says, what you attend this lady, you got to practice here. And so they began, well, you know, their, their, their favorite attack, Muslims and a lot of cults and, and unbelievers, is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we got this impression that the world loved Jesus. Hey, the majority of the world don't love Jesus. Let's get that in our minds. Even those who pretend they really don't love him because when he starts to make the demands of their life, like to repent, like to take up their cross, like to come and follow me, you then see how much they love Jesus. And so the whole attack was on the Lord Jesus. After three minutes, I said to one of them, you finish? You're going to be in love? Give me a minute. I said, have you ever read the Bible with show you that you're a sinner in God's sight? As a sinner in God's sight, do you expect to understand all the glorious things that the Bible talks about, about the Lord Jesus Christ? The man said, yeah, I'm a sensible man. Why shouldn't I understand? I said, no, because the things about the Lord Jesus Christ has to be made known to you by the Spirit of God, not by the teaching of a man. Or the instruction of a man. By the spirit of God. And one of the first things that God is going to teach you. Is that you are a sinner. You don't even know the way of salvation. You don't even know the condition you are. You don't even know the judgment that befall you. And so regardless of what you are saying about Jesus. All I present to you with Jesus. That he's your savior. You either reject him or you accept him. And I have no other fight with you. Uh, you ask me how to prove so and so, I tell you I can't prove. I'm a sinner, limited knowledge, limited mind. Trying to explain to me something about God, I could only give up to a certain, and you don't, you don't accept that limited explanation I have. For the rest, I accept what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that Jesus is God. 
The word of God says that he was in existence long before Mary's, Mary's uh, birth in Bethlehem. Because you see what happened with most of these. They are seeing only the human Jesus. Yes, he was tired. Yes, he was hungry. Yes, so and so. How are you guys going to call him then God? Because they're only seeing the human Jesus. And it takes the Holy Spirit to open their eyes. So I said, hey, I have no other argument. I, don't, I can't promise you your help right now. If you really want help, do as I did and keep doing. You have to go into the Bible yourself. But you are exempting yourself from and finding an excuse by telling me that the whole Bible is corrupt. Anyhow, I, they were really angry, etc. Even this guy who normally we, my brother's been helping and very nice and etc. Then I realized they had planned this. That it's time for them to put a stopping to those evangelists in the streets. Because somehow they feel that we're attracting more, lots of Muslims either to chat with us, to take our literature. And some of the Muslims are asking questions. One, the thing I tend to do, and the, the Muslims allow it, some Fridays when I'm early at home, let's say if I don't go out that Friday to my mission or anywhere, I will try to either come to Brother Mark Grasso, or if it's early, I'll try to go to the mosque after prayer. And some of them who know me, I will try to give them literature or find out uh, what, they, what they're praying for, and, and etc. Especially the two months after COVID, I started that. And I found lots of Muslims because I said, could I pray for your family? Could I pray for you and the neighbor, as a, a fellow neighbors in the neighborhood? And so quite a few of them would stop. And now I'll go by the halal shop because men will be passing there. They'll go different roads. You know, have a five, six way you can go when they come out of the mosque. But I could only cover one. And every time I go there, I could at least pray with nine, ten men going out, coming out of the prayer meeting. We can't back down. I never forget the time of Good Friday. I passed there and jumped in into the mosque. And the, so I said, today is Good Friday. Remember Christ died for our sins. Quoting like, like my friend Rick Anderson. I start to quote some parts of Isaiah 53. And quote some verses of the gospel. And then, you know, everything was okay. They didn't start a service. But then two brothers came and threw me out of the, the place. Literally threw me out. And there was a Jamaican lady running the Carib grill at that time. And I know her. Brother Wally, what's madness with you? What are those people going to kill you? What you doing in there? <laughs> and, you know, it didn't dawn upon me like that. I thought it was a great opportunity. Good Friday before their prayer. To go and quote some Bible verses because they allow me to come in. And most of the people know me. And I'm sure a lot of people would be okay with it. Because I just did it for two, three minutes. But then before I could catch myself. Two strong brothers dashed me out. Physically dashed me out. I was stumbling all over the pavement. And then the sister. Well that's what took my mind. Because here she was more worried about me. Oh, Brother Wally, are you crazy? Those people are going to kill you. And they heard it. <laughs> I think that got some guilt on them. You know, 
No, but it's an opportunity. Sometimes the Spirit of God burden you. You, go, you know, they go out there if, if, the, if the city don't watch out and it's only a matter of time. They're going to put up their speaker on Friday. They're never too happy in the world unless they have that prayer going all over the city. I just go in there and I didn't use microphone. I, I trusted the word of God. Let God's word do his work. Plant the seed. We have to go get the gospel out. And God has given us wonderful opportunity. And we see this because so many internationals come to the Delaware County. And they're more eager to hear about Jesus. Than we as Christians are eager to go out and tell them about Jesus. They're not going to come into your church. But they, they can't escape you when you're there. And how many of them are glad when, uh, would it be okay to come to your home and pray with you and pray for your family and read God's word? That's what I like. I tell them up front. Very few will get rejection. Right now I go once every now and again to a Muslim guy near to the to market on Wellington Avenue. Because one day he saw me visiting a Hindu couple who trusted the Lord in the streets three years ago. And he says, those people are Christians? And said, yes, like me. So I was shocked when he told me, he said, how do they become Christians? He's from Pakistan, a very learned man. And so he took me in the home. I was surprised. My car was in Highland, so I had to go and turn it off quick, park it better. Got into his home. And you know, I got to open the New Testament I had in my little bag there. And read to him the same story that Mark read today from Mark 2. And God began to speak to him. He told me, yeah, are you going to come next week for breakfast and read some more of that story? I said, sure. Well, that went on for four times. And then the imam, uh, uh, they have another little masjid that is not Sunni. It's mostly the Shiites. It's smaller. It's more aggressive and more hostile to the Christians. That's what the Sunni mosque is trying to prevent. Because they realize if the, the Shiites take over, it's a different situation. And, and definitely too, because you find the Sunni imams are more diplomats. They're trying to peacefully spread their religion by influencing your school, your, 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 your community, etc. They have a great influence in the mayor's office, etc. That's how they operate. And a few of them are trying to run for positions in the different communities. That's how I expect to take over the Holy Land. But you have the, the Shiites, very aggressive, violent-oriented. And they have the little mosque out there, and the masjid in that area. And uh, sometimes you have more confrontation with them. But we're not going to back down. They realize that we love them with the love of Jesus. I was telling them, brother, I can't help you to go to heaven. I have no power. I'm just a human being. I'm just like Muhammad who told y'all, pray to God your sins forgive me. Because he know he can get you to heaven. But there's only one person revealed in all the history of scriptures. He was announced, I mean appointed by God to be the savior. He was announced by God to be the Savior. He was acclaimed by, by, by sinners as the Savior. 
And his, his name is Jesus. And that's his, the meaning of his name. He shall save his people from their sins. He didn't come just as a prophet to tell you what you know. He came to save you because he's coming soon as your judge. And many Muslims, this is another way of dealing with them, re, 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 approaching them. They would pong your head off if you go and tell them that Jesus is Lord. But sometimes it's good to remind them. Yes, Jesus is Lord because he's your Lord Chief Justice coming to the day, judge you in the day of judgment, isn't he? There was one African Muslim last year. He runs a little business out in Olney area. And I got, come out of my car. I saw him there. I said, you know, hi, hi. So he said, I know what you guys are about. And keep that Jesus thing away from me. Well, we went and do our business, shared literature for two hours. We came back, his, next to his store was a little truck of a guy, a Chinese guy selling ice. It was a hot summer day. And the man called me. He said, you guys want some free ice? He saw the six of us working on the streets. So I said, no, we'll pay. Oh, no, you are God's people. <laughs> and so we said, okay. And the guy next door, he saw it, and he saw jealous and envious. He said, those people, they believe in Jesus as Lord. And the Chinese man said, that's what I believe. <laughs> you know, so he quieted down. He came by, by us and I said, man, sorry if I, you know, offended you. But you as a Muslim, do you know that who's coming to judge you? He tell me, yes, Esau. And you Christians, I said, we'll talk about that next. <laughs> yeah, he's coming to judge you. But you know why he came the first time? Because he's coming the second time. He came to save you from the judgment that he has to sentence you to. And the Bible describes him as the Lord. God has appointed the Lord Jesus as his judge. He didn't respond. And I offered him this track. You know, hell or heaven. He took it. And since that day, you know, I've been using that a lot in Muslims, especially people. Oh, no. Young woman told me, he's not Lord. Maybe he's not your Lord, but he's my Lord, darling. But why isn't he your Lord? Don't you want him to be your Lord? And no man could love you like Jesus. <laughs> I said, look, love, don't let them fool you. You know who's coming to judge you and me as Muslims on the judgment day? He says, yes, Esau. I said, but do you know why he came the first time, virgin birth? He came to save you from that judgment. The Bible says if you believe in him and conf confess in your heart and believe that he rose from the dead, you'll be saved. You have to confess him as Lord before you face the judgment. And those who confess him as Lord and going, not appearing at that trial. They're exempt from that trial. They got a, a pass to miss it. Because and you trust Jesus Christ, there is no judgment, end time judgment to those who already trust him. Because he already paid for their judgment. Now that's one of the approaches sometimes you have to use with them. Because they're very hostile and they themselves don't know what the scripture teaches. And you find that with many of the Muslims, etc., Hindus. They don't know what their religious book teach. But 
we have no time for that. We get straight to the gospel. When I meet with him, I'm trying to get him to see that he's a sinner like anybody else. You know, some of them believe they're the special persons. Their religion is the best. <laughs> so it might be true about your religion, but you and me in God's sight, we were born in sin, we were shaped in iniquity, which is something they don't like to hear. They don't believe in man is a sinner by nature. That's why they don't accept redemption. They have all the miracles and signs of wonders that God has done in history. But they don't accept the work of redemption. And some of those signs and wonders like the Passover was God's lesson on redemption. The Quran has about 20 chapters where the Passover is narrated in the Quran. One whole Quran is about it. Uh, a chapter is about it. But 20 other chapters. But no reference to the redemption, the redeeming aspect of when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Only the mighty hand of God, only the greatness and power of God, his deliverance, etc. And that's what Allah does as he would deliver us from all people and all nations who are unbelievers. There is no message of redemption in Islam. But why? Because they don't accept the fact that man is a sinner. God sees all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And until a man sees himself as a sinner going for a lost eternity, he's going to stand at judgment seat at the judge, white throne judgment where Christ's going to judge him and determine his destiny. He's not going to want the Savior. And that's why as we present the gospel. Don't get caught up with too much of these arguments with religion. Get to their heart. Drive the, the dagger of the sword in their heart. If you could memorize scriptures relating to the verses of conviction, etc. Like the other day I was speaking to this Muslim lady and she told me so. I said, but sister, remember God's word says, your sin and my sin will find us out. God didn't need no police angel to find you out. God already got the private detective in you, in your conscience, in your heart. That private detective, your own sin, will reveal who you are, will expose you, will condemn you. But that's why Christ came. Because of sin, God drove Adam and Eve out of the garden. Because of sin, Christ has come to die so that he could blot it out. You know, and there she was, etc., etc. Want to argue now about, oh, yes, he's a, a part-time sinner. <laughs> they like to, oh, sometimes sinner. No, but they quoted a, a few more verses of scripture. And you can see she becoming quiet. That rowdiness, that argumentativeness <laughs> was getting slowly. Eventually she told me, I'm going to talk, you, you're a tough man. You, I'm going to talk to you another time. I said, no, no, I'm not a tough man. I want you to understand that the Lord sent us here to show love because he came and true love died for us. And because he loves you, he wants to save you. Don't compare him with other religious leaders because they can't save you. No man can save you. I quoted our Psalm 46. No man by his, can ransom his brother by paying a price to his brother ransom. The Lord Jesus said, what can you give in exchange? What can you pawn for your soul? 
Your soul is irredeemable, so to speak, by man. And so Peter saw this man there, and I must go on. And he saw the condition of this man outside the temple when he should be inside, should be a member of the family. And that's how we see sinners. Even though they might be religious, they might be smarter than you and me, they might be more decent, they might have a better reputation in the society. We see them how God see them. They're lost, they need to be found. They're dead, they need to become alive. They're blind, they need to see the light of the gospel in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why Peter saw that. And he says, hey, who I have, I'm going to give him to you. And Peter saw a man, a Jew, who should be boasting in the promises of God. Who should be boasting in the, in the revelations of God. Who should be boasting in the covenants of God. Who should be boasting in all those things that Paul uh, speak about in, in Romans. That uh, the Jewish people boast about and should boast. And he boasted in too. But here's a man. He's begging instead of boasting. <laughs> he's begging instead of bragging. He, he, he doesn't know that he, the true conf- circumcision is those who worship God in the spirit and boast in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. And Peter, I, I'm going to help him to reach there. And so Peter says, in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in his authority and right, you need to receive him as your savior. In Jesus' name and in his authority and his rights, you need to receive him as your redeemer. In Jesus' name, you need to receive him as your Lord. Many times we go to, especially to Jewish people, some of them have an appreciation for Jesus because he was a noble person, he was a great Jew, <laughs> and what have you. He, he, he mightn't have been a false messiah, but he was a failed messiah. And one thing you have to try to see you can get into them is Christ don't want your applause and your credentials. He wants your adoration. He wants your heart. He wants your life. Is he Lord? And Peter says, in the name of Jesus, the same Jesus whom you crucified. Chapter 2 of Acts verse 36. God has made. Be confident of it. You can be assured of it. God has made him. Jesus and Lord. Jesus and Lord. Yes. In the name of Jesus. Christ has the authority to save you. If you will trust him. In the name of Jesus. Christ has the authority to redeem you. Buy you out of the slave market of sin. Because he paid the price. Colossians chapter 2 verse uh, 16 or 14 there. He says that Christ blot out the handwritings that were against us. All those warrants and subpoenas that God has been issued and violations. But we broke his law. They were legal documents. Uh, we couldn't pay, pay them up, pay up, pay up the, the sentence. We couldn't handle that sin problem. The Lord Jesus Christ took the problem And the judgment out of the way, says the apostle in Colossians chapter 2. And thirdly, the Lord Jesus substitute himself. He paid it for you. He bore our sins. He nailed it to his cross. He was crucified for the judgment and the sins 
that our, our sins deserve, the judgment that our sins deserve. Christ bore our judgment. And so Jesus Christ has a right to redeem us. And the Apostle Peter says, we were not redeemed by silver and gold, but by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a lamb without spot and blemish, pure, undefiled, not 99.9 cents pure, but fully pure, absolute God and absolute man. Only he can redeem us. Only Christ, the pure and holy mediator, can go and represent us to God. Again, the Muslim man, we believe. I say, you don't believe in one God. I said, who told you that? Why are you accusing me? I believe in one God. And Esau is his mediator. <laughs> his only mediator. He quieted down. He moved on his way. Normally they would argue with you, etc. I said, no, long before Allah, one God, and Muhammad is chief messenger, there was always Jehovah God, one God, and Jehovah Jesus, his mediator. Yes, in the name of Jesus, we have the right to be saved and accept him as our savior. We have the right to be redeemed. Christ has procured that right for us. And we have the right to crown him Lord of our lives. And remember, our gospel presentation is not complete until we bring a person to that decision point. Are you going to accept him as your Lord and your Savior? Well, then let's pray. Let's repent. And let's ask him to come into our lives. Ask him to accept us. And so Peter didn't back down. But he stood up, saw who this man was and where he was. And you realize that what he has, this man needs. What this man need, Peter didn't have. Gold and silver at that time. But what Peter had, this man need, and he didn't know it. And that's a spiritual blindness. That's a darkness, a dark energy and power that controls man's heart and conscience and mind. He doesn't see his real need before God. And God depends upon us as ambassadors, as vessels as servants, as instruments, as witnesses to go out and present the gospel. Brothers and sisters, again, I want to emphasize, and we and I, you know, I see all of you here as my, my people to look up to. But we need to constantly remind our church members, our fellow Christians, evangelism is not a, a, an elective course. We need to constantly remind our churches it's not an elective course. It's the required course. That's why sometimes I play bad, encouraging my fellow Christian friends around, pester your pastors. Pester your pastors. We have to go out. We have to go out. Yes, as leaders, sometimes we got, they get tied up in so many things that are legitimate and, and, God, and according to God's will. But anytime you Allowing evangelism and witnessing and soul winning to go to second back seat or even next seat in the next side seat. We're heading for trouble. But what an opportunity. That's also I'm trying to encourage Christians to see what an opportunity God has given us American Christians. Because America is literally still the center of the universe. Let us shine for Jesus. 
The hope for this world is a people that we could lead to the Lord Jesus Christ in this land. Because uh, as they got saved here, one of the first thing they're concerned is about the people they left behind. The people they left behind. You're surprised to know in this past generation how many movements back, reverse movements, reverse mission, started right here by internationals who came here, received the Lord Jesus Christ, and is burdened to get this gospel out back home, back where they came from. So let us keep sharing Christ and leave the results to him. May God help you. That's the purpose of this message. Not so much to talk about the miraculous power of his healing, but to encourage us like Peter and John. We don't have the needs what the world needs out there. Any of them. You, know, you don't have a cigarette. You don't have a dollar for coffee. You, you know, or the, the politician will say, can't you, you know, uh, increase your feeding program. That's what they do. They, they get the people votes, but they depend on the Christians to to keep the people happy and, and, uh, and, and fed and, and clothes, etc. You know, and that's what many, especially in our big cities, people accept that's the church evangelism, the social work, the physical work, the, the medical work, you know, counseling work. No, don't let they frame our job. Don't let them choose our course. Our course is to go and tell, go and share, go and encounter, go and win them for the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us as veterans, so to speak, to continue to encourage younger believers. And we need the younger believers. Evangelism is not an easy job, asks Mark and Karen. It will burn you out in a generation, burn some men out in less than a decade. But it's a, it's, it's a job in God's heart. It's what, what he left us here for. Otherwise, you'd have taken us long before, when he, before his second coming. But he left us here to get the job done. May the Lord encourage us not to get discouraged because some of you are, as I said, are burnt out veterans. But may the Holy Spirit continue to re revive us and energize us but also to challenge other young believers. Take up the mantle. Carry on the, 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 the work for Jesus Christ. Thank you. Amen.